Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to Andy Staples on three and all of this transfer portal madness and all this news we've been talking about. We are finally seeing people finding their landing spots. Two more found their spots on Tuesday. We are still waiting and potentially maybe going to get some more news on Tuesday night. Not sure, but right now we do know where Riley Leonard is going, the Duke quarterback, as expected, commits to Notre Dame. And this is a big one. This is following in the footsteps of Sam Hartman, who did the same thing. Starter for an ACC program, played very, very well at that program. Now going to Notre Dame as a one-year rental. And the hope is that he leads Notre Dame to the college football playoff. Now, it'll be a very different college football playoff than the one Sam Hartman was trying to lead the Fighting Irish to. That was a four-teamer. This is a 12-teamer, and it is more set up for an independent Notre Dame to get in. But because the transfer portal is a cruel mistress and because it has a sense of humor, Riley Leonard's first game at Notre Dame will be against his former Duke coach, Mike Elko, who is now Texas A&M's coach in College Station. So Riley Leonard versus Mike Elko, mark it down. Going to be a fun one. Uh, this is one of those when Elko took the job, people were thinking, oh, what, will Riley Leonard go? Well, remember, Elko was at Texas A&M when they were recruiting Connor Wigman. He's a, he's a fan. He he likes Connor Wigman. So, and the Leonard to Notre Dame thing, it felt like was already kind of in motion at that point. So this is Notre Dame running it back one more time. I, the results from Sam Hartman were, were, were pretty good but not exactly what they wanted. They wanted a little bigger pop. They wanted a double-digit win season, which perhaps they can get with a win in the Sun Bowl against Oregon State, but you know, that's not going to be with Sam Hartman. So Notre Dame will try again with another ACC quarterback. Meanwhile, speaking of ACC quarterbacks, on the move to the Midwest, Tyler Randyke, former ACC Rookie of the Year, late of the Miami Hurricanes, he is headed to Wisconsin. Now, remember, the Badgers took Tanner Mordecai out of the transfer portal. Mordecai had been at SMU, had been very productive. He'd been at Oklahoma before that. He was going to be the trigger man in Phil Longo's offense. It was a huge, radical departure from anything Wisconsin had been doing before. But it wasn't what they wanted. This, this whole season wasn't what Wisconsin hoped for. The offense wasn't nearly as explosive as they wanted. I, mean, I think you, you could watch early on. Like I remember the Washington State game early in the season thinking, Okay, 
if they had more speed on this team, this offense would work because with the linemen they have, with the backs they have, they're actually going to run the ball pretty well. And you saw when, when Phil Longo was the OC at North Carolina, when they had good backs, when they had a decent offensive line, they ran the ball a lot, but they also threw it very efficiently. And the receivers on the outside just were not particularly dynamic at Wisconsin. That's something Luke Fickle and company have to take care of. Phil Longo and, and all the, the assistant coaches need to get on that and get that better. Tyler Van Dyke will come in probably pretty familiar with this offense. It's it's There will be concepts that are very similar to what he ran at Miami last year with Shannon Dawson as the OC. Now remember, Miami was moving on from Tyler Van Dyke. I know I'll, if you didn't watch the Canes late in the season, like if you turn them off, after they didn't take a knee against Georgia Tech, you may not realize they were moving on from Tyler Van Dyke. Now, whether that's Emory Williams, who started the Florida State game, suffered a pretty gruesome injury at the end of that game, but, but he was the one they wanted to roll with at that point in the season. Could be Emory Williams, who will be back and, and healthy in time for the season, or it could be, a, be somebody out of the portal. You know, Cam Ward, potential Miami recruit, former Washington State and Incarnate Word quarterback, but he's also been rumored to be looking at quite a few schools. That's one under Shannon Dawson where it seems like he'd be a fit because he came out of an air raid system. Tyler Van Dyke had his most success when Rhett Lashley was Miami's offensive coordinator. So that's a little bit different offense. That's the Gus Malzahn tree offense. But there were times, especially late in Manny Diaz's final season as the head coach at Miami, that you thought Tyler Van Dyke is going to be a superstar, that this is a guy that we're going to be talking about leaving early for the NFL. And then it just sort of fell apart in the, the two years under Mario Cristobal. So perhaps Van Dyke has a renaissance at Wisconsin. Perhaps he's what they need to get that offense going. And remember, the road gets a lot tougher for Wisconsin with the teams that are coming into the Big Ten. And clearly what Wisconsin is doing Fickle taking the job one, but then hiring Phil Longo as his OC. It is a sense that Wisconsin is trying to win the Big Ten, that they have looked at the future and they say, okay, there's no divisions anymore. We can't worry about trying to win the Big Ten West because the Big Ten West doesn't exist. That doesn't do it, does not do us any good to be the best of Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern, Nebraska, Purdue. It doesn't do any good. You got to be as good as Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Oregon, Washington. That's really hard. That's really hard. But you don't have to be number one. You can probably be number three or number four and get into the playoff. So Tyler Van Dyke headed to Wisconsin for Miami. So let us run down the list now of quarterbacks who have found their new home. You've got Dylan Gabriel. He has gone from Oklahoma to Oregon even though there are still a bunch out there that need to find where they're going to go, I think Dylan Gabriel would be the most impactful quarterback transfer this year. I think he will go to Oregon and that offense will continue humming the way it did with Bo Nix running it. And this is a guy who his skill set fits what they do very well. It's not the same offense he was running at Oklahoma or at UCF, but it's something he can probably pick up pretty quickly. And it's something he understands in terms of using his legs to create. He's a very accurate passer. That's obviously very important. Bo Nix completed 78% of his passes last year. So I think that one's going to be the biggest one. But a couple other ones. Blake Shapin. Remember Blake Shapin leading Baylor in the Big 12 championship game when Gary Bohannon got hurt a few years ago? And the thought was Blake Shapin's the next great quarterback at Baylor, and it just never worked out there that way. He's headed to Mississippi State. He's going to play for Jeff Levy at Mississippi State now. Brock Vandegriff, one of the quarterbacks that, that Georgia has signed over the years. And, and that's the thing about a, a place like Georgia where they've signed a bunch of highly recruited quarterbacks. There's only one ball, only one guy can play. So Stetson Bennett had the job, and then Carson Beck had the job, and it looks like Carson Beck's going to keep the job for another year by not going to the NFL. So Brock Vandegriff needed to go find a place to play. He's going to Kentucky. So that is where we're at now. We are still waiting on decisions. And there's a couple of decisions that, that we think could come 
fairly soon. One is Kyle McCord, who left Ohio State. He just visited Nebraska. Now, we talked a lot last night about the idea of five-star quarterback Dylan Riola flipping from Georgia to Nebraska. He's a class of 2024 player, so he would be enrolling pretty soon. I don't think that's going to affect whether Kyle McCord goes to Nebraska or not. I think this is one of those where Kyle McCord would play this year. If Dylan Riola signs, he would be tabbed as the quarterback of the future and would be plugged in behind Kyle McCord to learn. Cam Ward, I just mentioned him from Washington State. In terms of raw athletic tools, this is the guy everybody wants. So where does he end up? Is it Miami, USC, Ohio State? We're going to have to find out. This this recruitment seems like it's it's still pretty hot, and, and we'll have to figure out where he where he goes. Aiden Childs from Oregon State and DJ Uyunglele from Oregon State. They're both on the market. DJU more of the household name, even if a lot of people can't spell it because of the time he spent as Clemson starter. But Aiden Childs was a guy that Oregon State loved. And the expectation is that Aiden Childs will follow Jonathan Smith, who was Oregon State's coach, to Michigan State, where Jonathan Smith is now. Uh, You've got Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina, four-year starter. Now, he remember, he was in the portal last year, didn't end up going anywhere. This year, he's looked at NC State. He's looked at UCF. Word comes down on Tuesday that Ty Thompson, the Oregon backup who is leaving Oregon because they just took Dylan Gabriel, love these dominoes, that he's visiting NC State. So does that mean they've cooled on Grayson McCall? Does that mean UCF is a possible landing spot for Grayson McCall? We will find out. Will Howard, another one, led Kansas State to a Big 12 championship. And basically, Chris Kleiman had to make the decision Avery Johnson or Will Howard. Avery Johnson, a five-star quarterback from Kansas, who was a freshman this year, who played a little bit. But Will Howard, one more year to play, and also was weighing going to the NFL. So Kansas State decides they're they're rolling with Avery Johnson. Will Howard's in the portal. We will see where he winds up. But there's quite a few more dominoes to fall, and that probably is going to cause more to drop as we go. We're going to talk about another factor that could influence some of these things. Now, I remember I said with Kyle McCord in Nebraska, I don't think if Dylan Riola goes there that it matters as much. But there are other situations where there are transfer quarterbacks. There are schools thinking about signing quarterbacks, be they out of the transfer portal or out of the high school ranks. And there may be some friction there. We're going to talk to Josh Newberg about Flipmas which is coming up because there's a lot of potential flips out there, some in the quarterback world, potentially. Before that, though, I want to tell you about Roback. I am wearing my Roback Performance hoodie right now. This is the navy one. I got five of them, five different colors. This is the best, most comfortable piece of clothing I own. My favorite garment is whichever Roback Performance hoodie I am wearing that day. And you can be pretty sure I'm wearing one most days. But Roback also makes fleeces, polos, joggers. They will outfit you perfectly, whether you're going to work, night at the bar, day on the golf course. Yeah, there's still places where it's warm enough to play golf. Roback has you covered. So go to Roback.com, R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. Use the promo code STAPLES, S-T-A-P-L-E-S, for 20% off your first order. That's Roback.com, promo code STAPLES. 20% off your first order. All right, let us talk Flipmas. Dylan Riola, obviously in the news. We talked to Josh Newberg on Three's recruiting video guru about a few other guys, including DJ Lagway, the longtime Florida commit at quarterback. Texas A&M sniffing around. Lots of drama coming up on the recruiting trail as we are barreling toward National Signing Day. Here's Josh. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. We welcome Josh Newberg 
on three, the inside scoop on three's recruits page. If you're not following on three recruits on YouTube, by the way, you are missing out because Josh's videos are fire, especially this time of year. Cause Josh it's flipping season. Oh yeah. And we get right to it, Andy. Like it, we don't mess around. It is flip yeah. season and that's what we're getting to. Well, all right. So we can talk about the big one. We talked about it on last night's show. Dylan Riola been committed to Georgia for months. All of a sudden, the smoke just starts billowing. He might be flipping to Nebraska. Where where are they? Where do they stand right now with you know Nebraska and Georgia and Riola? Well, first of all, nobody saw this coming. I mean, when there was smoke around his decommitment from Ohio State, it was kind of slow rolled a little bit. But this one, I mean, now he didn't decommit. He hasn't flipped. But mm -hmm. like you said, the rumors, it, the smoke just started billowing out. It didn't start leaking out. Last night around 6 p.m., the news broke. Chad Simmons was on it. Hayes Fawcett was on it. And it looks like also Dylan Riola will be visiting Lincoln, Nebraska this weekend. And if he gets on that flight and he lands in Lincoln, Nebraska, I think it's a wrap. I think Dylan Riola is a Cornhusker. Well, and it sounds – like just reading the tea leaves, it sounds like a lot of this news that was the smoke that was coming out Monday night was coming from Georgia's end of things. And you were getting the kind of the Georgia spin on it. And we'll we'll get the Nebraska spin on it probably a little bit later. But that suggests to me that Georgia may have said, you know what? Okay, we're we're good here. We we we'll stand with Ryan Puglisi and maybe we'll go get another one, but we don't have to. But I it's they're in different places. I mean, if we think about it, Georgia has lots of good players, five-star roster all around. Nebraska does not have that and needs that pop. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think something happened. I'm not, I don't know if, I don't know, but something happened. Now, maybe it was on, mm -hmm. maybe it was something happened where Riola didn't see eye to eye with them and he said, I'm out. I don't know, but it's clear that something happened, something abrupt and you're right. Seeing the the Georgia insiders, seeing what Rusty Manzel wrote on Dogs HQ last night, not not conceding him to Nebraska, but admitting that hey, it looks like it's definitely trending in that direction. Like seeing Rusty write that so fast made me believe that yes, there there, there had to be some catalyst to what happened last night. Right. Meanwhile, I mentioned Ryan Piglisi. He's the other quarterback in Georgia's class. Now he was the guy. Kind of like a Mac Jones or a Kyle Trask mm -hmm. in the past, where been the second quarterback in the class behind the really highly recruited guy. But so he, he's still a four-star quarterback. He's at Avon Old Farm School in Connecticut, the winged beavers, by the way. I don't <laughs> like I've never seen a beaver with wings, but that's who they are. But he holds a signing ceremony to this morning, Tuesday morning. Timing couldn't have been better. And listen, Ryan Puglisi already had a quasi-cult following with the Georgia fan base because he committed first. Then Dylan Riola hopped on board at the end of May. And when he did so, Dil uh, Ryan Puglisi didn't flinch. And Georgia fans appreciated that. Now, with the Dylan Riola rumors, and this, this what you talk about, this ceremony that took place this morning at like 8 a.m. Eastern time, it couldn't have come at a more better time. I mean, his... Ryan Puglisi is going to be the first recruit to reach legendary status amongst Georgia fans before he even throws a football at Georgia just because of the timing of all this and the fact that Ryan Puglisi threw out. Look, he, maybe you considered him QB2 for a while, but he's your QB1 now. Yeah, and, and now look, Carson Beck's coming back to Georgia. It's not like they need a quarterback for this year. They still have Gunnar Stockton, by the way. He, he Brock Vandergriff went to Kentucky, but Gunnar Stockton's still on the roster as well. So it it's not the end of the world if Dylan Riola does not wind up at Georgia. But what would it mean if he does end up at Nebraska in terms of the you know he's a legacy plus them signing that level of quarterback recruit for the first time in a long time? Yeah, it it, it certainly doesn't make or break Georgia's class by any means, but. They did put a lot of time, money, and resources into Dylan Riola just to lose him at the last minute. I mean, that stings. But for Nebraska, I mean, hey, 
they were heartbroken. I mean, you got to remember back to the spring. I'm thinking back to the spring when he made an unofficial visit to that Nebraska basketball game and he's throwing up the bones and and the Nebraska fan base was losing it back then. And then for him to commit to Georgia only, you know, this is a great story. If you're a Nebraska Cornhusker fan, it's a great story for Matt Rule. It's just what he needed. He needed this sort of spark. You also, you kind of need a quarterback in your first year to kind of plant your flag and say, hey, this is my guy. So he got his guy. Well, don't let me get ahead of myself. But if he right. gets his guy in Dylan Riola, that's someone you can plant your flag and say, hey, this is the, the face of our program in two or three years. Let us move to a, another school in the SEC that is trying to fight off flips right now. And I, it's a multi-front fight for Billy <laughs> Napier and the Florida Gators because it feels like every member of that class is, is under assault at this point. But some of the ones at the very top, uh, Xavier Filsame, Will Harris, the new Florida DBs coach, is supposed to visit with him. But Xavier looking pretty hard at Texas. A huge visit will take place. Now, today, Austin Armstrong, the D.C., and Will Harris, the new DB coach, are expected to visit Xavier Filsame today in his home with his parents. And in my opinion... They got to shut down this Texas official visit that got scheduled for this weekend. It was up in the air for the last week or two, but it sounds like it is locked in for this weekend unless the Gators can go in home and get Xavier to shut down his recruitment. I think it's critical. And maybe they maybe they can. I mean, they're going to bring in their new DB coach and Xavier's been on uh, social media and he's throughout the season. He's remained committed. But now I think it's critical that they shut it down. If he makes it to Austin, I think they can flip him. I think they do flip him. Okay, so the Florida fans don't like to hear that. But the one they really don't want to hear about right now is another quarterback or a quarterback in the state of Texas, DJ Lagway, been the cornerstone of Florida's 2024 class for pretty much the entirety of the cycle. (laughs) Mike Elko gets to, to College Station. All of a sudden, they reorder their quarterback board And it seems like he and Colin Klein, their new OC, have had a talk and decided that DJ Lagway in nearby Willis, Texas, is somewhat of a priority for them. So now you've got Florida having to fight off a different Texas A&M. This is not the Jimbo Fisher Texas A&M. This is a different version of Texas A&M that you got to fight off in the final weeks. If Mike Elko didn't do this, he should be fired for negligence. So let's just get that out of the way. Texas A&M has to do this. I think ultimately he sticks to Florida, but uh, you know you you want you want to believe that that's the case because he's been so solid, he's been so committed, he's been he's been everything you could have asked for a recruit to be in a season like Florida's having. And to be honest with you, uh, I know that you said you know Florida's taken on fire on all fronts, but one of those fronts that's been solid has been DJ Lagway, and here we yeah. are one week from signing day and you know i think he ends up sticking with the gators but like i said mike elko's got to do his job and he's got to go kick the door maybe kick the door in at dj lagway's house to meet with him he's got to do it oh yeah absolutely it's 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 part of the job when you have a quarterback that good that close to you 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 are negligent if you don't at least try so we'll, we'll see what happens but that is a critical critical recruiting battle that Billy Napier probably has to win. Yeah, for his that he future. has to. I mean, we, when we say yeah. that uh, Dylan Raiola doesn't make or break Georgia's class, I'm sorry. But losing DJ Lagway could very well break that class because there's another flip out there. LJ McRae, LJ McRae number one defensive question. lineman in America. He's looking at Auburn. He's looking at Florida State. He's looking at Miami. He's staying solid to UF. But I think if a piece like a DJ Lagway were to – I mean, you could see, you know, that I don't even want to talk about where that class could go if that were to happen. But Gator fans, I do not expect DJ Langway to flip. Listen, you heard it from Josh. He's it, calm in the waters, calm <laughs> in the waters. No, it, it, and, and that's the thing. I think people assume that just because A&M has jumped in to the fray, that all of a sudden that that hmm. changes everything. It doesn't really because they were around before. It was just yeah. Elko coming. You got to take and, a look. And Duke it's, wasn't a main player. I mean, Texas A&M right. was a bit of a player. USC was a bit of a player. I'm talking about when DJ yeah. Lagway Cle- Clemson the recruited him pretty hard. Uh, Clemson yeah. was a bit. So if one of those coaches from one of those trees were at Texas A&M, you, I could you know, connect some more dots. But 
I think Mike Elko, for the most part, is cold calling uh, Lagway, and I just think a little bit too late, not going to happen. All right. When Jordan Seaton, the number one offensive tackle recruit in the country, committed to Colorado, you put out a video of five things Colorado needs to do. One mm-hmm. of the things is actually sign Jordan Seaton, which yep. uh, that goes without saying. Uh, one of the other ones was the, they needed to get the receiver from Sillsby, Traylon Texas. Miller. Yeah, Traylon my third Mo- point was who, who land Draylon Miller, a dynamic yeah. pass catcher. And two days later, they landed Draylon Miller. So, yeah, they, they are yeah. picking it up on the recruiting trail. So one of the other ones you said is a guy they they should try to flip, and that's Boo Carter, who's a commitment to Tennessee. And I even brought that up in a Dion video, and people got mad. Tennessee fans got mad. Just that I even mentioned the possibility. They Fans get mad when there's some truth in what you're saying. And the fact that Boo Carter and Jordan Seaton had such a great relationship throughout their recruitments – uh, everybody thought that, and I'm not saying Jordan Seaton was going to Tennessee because of Boo Carter, but I mean, Boo Carter was cheering him on on social media the entire way saying, Hey, we're going to play together. Let's link up. Let's, you know, we're going to be teammates. And then he commits to Colorado. So the logical question is, well, is Boo Carter going to follow him? And I think if there's another flip out there and it's going to be in the wake of this Jordan Seaton commitment news, I think it would be a guy like Boo Carter. Now, Tennessee has every reason to make sure that doesn't happen because they already lost Jordan Seaton to Colorado. So they're going to turn up their prep power and try to hold on to Boo Carter. So we'll see what happens. But that was a that's a logical name that you could kind of connect the dots to. So what other potential flips are, are you looking at right now that, that you think either they might happen between now and signing day or at least it's going to be a big old fight to keep them in the class they're in? Well, definitely on my radar is that LJ McCray one we talked about, but you got to go look straight to the top. The number one player, the number one wide receiver, Jeremiah Smith, committed to Ohio State for some time now, but Miami, Florida, Florida State are all trying to keep him in state. He's coming off an official visit to FSU. He's going to shut it down this weekend to talk it over with his family. Now, he told me back in May at the NIL event here in Nashville that he would be making a quote-unquote final decision in December. So we assume that sometime between now and National Signing Day, he's going to sit down with his family and figure out, is he sticking to Ohio State, which I think there's a very good chance he does, or does he flip? And I think if he does flip, the team with the best shot at landing him would be Florida State. And so for the folks who don't follow recruiting as closely as as some of our other viewers, let's talk about Jeremiah Smith because – They're coming off having Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State, who was absolutely special. One of the best receivers we've seen in college football in a while. The thought is Jeremiah Smith could be that good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, if you watched him in high school, I've had I've talked to college coaches that believe that he could make the jump to the NFL from high school. Of course, that's not a possibility, but just his skill set, his size, his maturity in the in the game of football, he's a can't-miss prospect right now. And uh, when you're committed to Ohio State, you wouldn't think that there's much of a chance as a wide receiver for you to flip, but this there's, there's a sense of, hey, do I really need to go all the way to Ohio? Could I stay and play ball closer to home and still make my dream of, playing in the NFL. So I think that's kind of what is going on. I mean, Florida State had a great season with Keon Coleman and the offense finally showed up. So I think they're able to make a little run at him. Florida's kind of fallen off, but Miami continues to hang around. Um, But ultimately, you know, I think it would be very hard for Jeremiah Smith to say no to Ohio State. When you have these top level recruits, how do you balance that with what you're trying to do in the portal? (laughs) Win. I I mean, honestly, winning kind of trumps everything. Winning trumps depth charts. Winning trumps the transfer portal. So if you can be a winning program and show that your trajectory is is going high, then maybe some recruits will be able to sit on the depth chart for a year or two and just see how things go. But if you're a losing program, who wants to sit around on a losing program? So I do think in those, you got to be strategic. Hey, maybe you make most of your portal additions after signing day. I know there's only a small window there after signing day, but if you're worried about your DB decommit and if you take this safety, then maybe you just wait until, you know, after signing day. It it is going to be quite the dance 
that some of these schools are doing as they try to try to deal with all that. But I, I can't wait. The, the Dylan Riola thing was crazy, but it sounds like there's going to be a lot more of that over the next week as we get to National Signing Day. Yeah, because it's, it was unexpected. It kind of it was a reminder that expect the unexpected. Meaning, like if I was able to tell you, if you were like, "Hey, Josh, what's the biggest flip on signing day?" and I was able to tell you, well, then it wouldn't be a big surprise. The biggest, most surprising ones are the ones that nobody sees coming. And I'll be honest, the Dylan Riola stuff, nobody saw that coming. Well, it is made for a very interesting week, and it's going to make for an interesting next seven and a half days josh newberg thank you so much yep we're gonna have a blast over here thanks i love the way josh puts that just win because it does make the recruiting piece a little bit easier because it allows you to stack better players on better players which allows you to absorb when you have a really good one who might want to not be in your class anymore so this dylan riola thing Nobody's going to shed any tears for Georgia, and probably nobody's going to shed any tears at Georgia if he winds up flipping because they've got Carson Beck probably for another year. I mean, he hasn't officially announced he's coming back, but the thought is he's coming back. If he didn't come back, it wouldn't matter. Georgia would be like, hey, guys, uh, transfer portal guys, or anybody who might be thinking about entering the transfer portal, would you like to play with these monsters who can kill people? Pretty much every game. You you want to play with them? Okay, cool. Come come on. And oh, by the way, they also have Ryan Puglisi, who, as Josh put, is is already a dog legend. We got we got folks in the chat. We got Shorty in the chat. Basically, Shorty's sending everybody to Mizzou. He's got Trevor Etienne, the running back who's transferring from Florida to Mizzou. I think I think George is the favorite for Trevor Etienne. Uh, but he also says his sources are saying that Ryan Wingo is gonna gonna flip from Texas to Missouri. I, I think, based on the way the Missouri NIL law is written, I think Ryan Wingo would have made more money had he just committed to Missouri in the first place. So I don't know if he's gonna flip back now. I think that probably that ship might have sailed. But we'll we'll see. That's what I love about this. There, there is a lot that could happen, and Josh is exactly right. The, the part that's really crazy is the ones you don't see coming. The Dylan Riola thing happened very suddenly. It was within about a 12-hour period on Monday that everything came bubbling up, and then boom. Uh, Jackson in the chat says, do, you, do I think Texas A&M can flip DJ Lagway? I do think with this new administration, they've clearly made him a priority, but he's been pretty steadfast in his commitment to Florida and saying he wants to play for Billy Napier. I, I would think he'd be the last one off the ship if if that's the case. I don't I don't think he'd necessarily be swayed if McCray or Phil Samay decommits, but it is close to home and it is a different administration. You know, when he committed to Florida, Jimbo Fisher was the head coach of Texas AM. So it's worth everybody's time to take a look at one another. But We'll see what happens. It, I will say, if Florida can't hang on to DJ Lagway, the, the, the situation for Billy Napier will get very dire very fast because he can't handle losing a guy like that. Because the thing is, if you, if you lost Lagway, it probably means you lost McCray, probably means you lose Phil Samay, probably means it's a very different looking class. And that was the one thing they were hanging their hat on is, okay, the results on the field haven't been great, but this will be a team built through high school recruiting like Alabama is, like Georgia is. And those classes can get stacked on one another. But if you can't have those classes, then what's the point? So that's the fear at Florida right now. But again, just like Josh said, I would need a little more solid information to even think about the possibility of talking up a DJ Lagway flip. But I do understand exactly why Mike Elko and Colin Klein would go after him. And the guy looks pretty awesome, and he's right in your backyard. So, of course, you're going to try to make a push. We'll see what happens. That's going to be one of the more interesting stories in the next week. Speaking of interesting things you should be doing in the next week, you should be visiting Factormeals.com. Factors ready to eat meal delivery. Take the stress out of meal planning. Sets you up for success in the new year. So, 
listen, this I this time of year, I got I got kids that are teenagers. That there's it's nonstop. It's exams, projects, then it's getting ready for the holidays. It's so tough. Factor meals makes life so much easier. They they can take care of lunch and dinner. And these are chef prepared, chef created meals that are ready to eat, delivered to your door fresh. You pop them in the fridge. When you want to eat them, you heat them up in a couple of minutes. They are delicious. When we got our first box of factor meals, I had to get more just because I wanted to try them and my whole family had just taken them all. My daughter wanted this one for lunch. My wife wanted this one for her lunch. And then people were grabbing them for dinner because, hey, we don't have to cook. We don't have to go to the grocery stores right here. So let me give you a couple ones that are just awesome. The smoky Gouda chicken with roasted red potatoes and Parmesan green beans. Honey mustard pork chop with sour cream and chive mashed potatoes and roasted green beans. And if you're feeling fancy, truffle butter filet mignon with potato leek mash and roasted carrots. I'm telling you, these things are awesome. So factormeals.com slash Andy50. That's factormeals.com slash Andy50. You get 50% off your first order. You're going to be hooked. I'm telling you right now. They have what you need for every dietary restriction. You tell them if you have any. Like my wife has celiac disease. We can't do gluten if we're getting those meals. They send the gluten-free ones. And they very clearly mark everything that's in them. It's amazing. And it tastes so good. So factormeals.com slash Andy50. You are going to love it. And it's going to take some stress out of your life. Now, a lot more stress in Florida. Because obviously everybody at Florida State is still steaming mad over the Seminoles getting left out of the college football playoff. 13-0. and I mean, it, it's one of those things that we all said wasn't going to happen until a couple weeks until it happened. And we said, no, it might happen. And then it did happen. And they almost got out of the four-team era without it, without somebody getting screwed like this. But the fallout continues. So on Tuesday, Florida's Attorney General Ashley Moody came out and said, hey, I'm looking in to this college football playoff. She even released a video. I'm Attorney General Ashley Moody at Florida State University in front of the iconic Unconquered statue. Most of you know I'm a lifelong Gator, but I'm also Florida's Attorney General, and I know injustice when I see it. Shockingly, what happened to the undefeated Knowles after winning the ACC championship has college football fans in Florida and across the nation wanting answers. It's justified. What's clear is the need for more information about the unprecedented decision made by a group of 13 in secret that for the first time ever left an undefeated Power Five Conference champion out of the playoff. This stunning decision not only disappointed millions of fans, it cost this university and the ACC millions of dollars. The NCAA conferences and the College Football Playoff Selection Committee are subject to antitrust laws. We are launching an investigation to examine if the committee was involved in any anti-competitive conduct in its unprecedented decision. As it stands, the committee's decision reeks of partiality, picking winners in the boardroom and not on the field. So we are demanding answers, not only for FSU, but for all schools, teams, and fans of college football. We sent a subpoena to the committee demanding all communications related to the deliberations, documents showing compensation of members, and vote tallies, including who received access to those votes, who was present during the voting. We are also seeking information about software or programs used to record or tally votes. This process won't be quick, and unfortunately, we don't expect it will change this season's playoffs. But every college football program, including the 13 D1 schools in Florida, deserves to know if the committee is stacking the deck. I have faith in our antitrust division to get to the bottom of the matter and take appropriate action if warranted. In Florida, merit matters. And if it's attention they were looking for, the CFP committee certainly has our attention now. I can assure you, Ashley Moody, they were not looking for attention. They knew they were going to piss somebody off and it was going to be you or it was going to be your counterpart in Alabama. And seeing that the people in Alabama will poison sacred trees after losses they don't like and uh, do stuff like that, I, I think they were less afraid of you than they were the people in Alabama. 
That said, when you say stuff like the committee's decision reeks of partiality, well, of course it does. It is actually designed to be partial. It is designed to be subjective. That is the whole point of the enterprise. You're only picking four teams. You have to be subjective. There are no objective criteria that would allow you to stock a four-team playoff. That's the whole point. That said, I would love it if this turns up some stuff. I would love it if the people in charge of the college football playoff or the people on the college football selection committee were dumb enough to put anything in writing. Because the whole system's designed so that none of this stuff gets out. Like, they meet in person for a reason. They meet in person so that nobody can record their Zoom. They meet in person so they're not sending notes to one another. That's why they're all in the same hotel multiple weeks of the year. So if they're smart, there probably won't be anything to deliver based on the subpoena. I hope they're not smart because I'd love to see some of this stuff. I, I've always said I would love to see this whole deliberation get televised. It would be awesome. They'd never do it because you don't want sitting ADs bashing one school and then all of a sudden everybody at that school is like, oh, you must hate me. You hate our school. We're, we're, we're really mad at you. But again, if they were dumb enough to put anything in writing, by all means, go get it. I would love to read it. I think we would all love to read it. It would be fantastic. And if this does anything, what I hope it does is that it does make them examine their selection procedures a little more because as we talked about earlier on this show in the last, in the last few weeks, like you've got you've to be careful with all of these selections once you move into the 12-team world because who you have at four and who you have at five, that determines who gets a bye. Who you have at eight and who you have at nine determines who gets a home game. Who you have most years at 11 and who you have at 12 determine who gets the last at large. And then which group of five champion you rank the highest determines who makes the playoff entirely. And it doesn't seem like all of those decisions were made with extreme care over the years. So is the committee going to be more careful? With that, are there going to be more, I don't know, definitive criteria? Because with a 14 playoff, you can't really have definitive criteria. You basically say, pick the best four. Well, they picked what they thought were the best four. It was entirely subjective, it was entirely partial. There is no objectivity in that process. So if you're if you're thinking they went against what they were planning to do because of some conspiracy. Well, there's not. And also, if you think there's some conspiracy with ESPN to screw Florida State and the ACC, well, you're not following the money very well. If ESPN wanted to screw someone, it would have been Michigan or future Big Ten school Washington because the Big Ten is the one conference that doesn't have any rights currently with ESPN. They thumb their nose at ESPN. That would be who you'd screw if you were ESPN. Last I checked, the ACC works with ESPN to make a channel called the ACC Network. The ACC sells all of its rights to ESPN. Some of them get sub-licensed to the CW. But for the most part, all of them go to ESPN. So you're looking in the wrong place if that's what you're looking for. Now, I will say... If the people in the state of Florida, and I, well, a little tangent here. I've seen a lot of tweets on Tuesday saying, I don't want my tax dollars spent on this. Listen, I know you don't live in Florida when you say something like that. I've lived here most of my life. We don't pay state income tax. So you know whose dollars are going toward this? Tourists. When they stay in hotels, when they rent cars, when they drive on the turnpike. We're letting them pay for it. Don't worry about it. Make it the government can waste all, all the time it wants. It's the tourist money. Who cares? So what they should do, though, if Florida State, if the state of Florida government really wants to help the Seminoles' cause, is try to use this 
to help advance Florida State's stated goal of getting out of the ACC. Because while you can't prove a conspiracy against the ACC, you can prove that the ACC is not considered a power conference. And that perception is not what Florida State signed up for. When Florida State signed the grand rights in the ACC, it was to be a power conference with a seat at the table considered the equal of the Big Ten and the SEC. Clearly, no one considers the ACC an equal of those conferences. No one anywhere, except maybe the ACC office. Florida State made it abundantly clear in August that they're trying to get out. So use the power of subpoena and the power of Florida's open records law to find a way to get Florida State out of the ACC. If you really want to help the Seminoles do what, they, what they're trying to do, have a better chance of being in a better position the next time around. If you want to help them, that's how you help them. Just a little bit of free advice from a guy who doesn't pay any state income tax. But here's some better advice. It's December 12th. Forever going to be a sad day in the world of college football. This was the day we lost Mike Leach a year ago. The Pirate. He was the head coach of Texas Tech at Washington State and Mississippi State. He worked at Valdosta State. He worked at Kentucky. He worked at Oklahoma. He was one of the all-time originals. One of the greats. And guess what? He had opinions on the playoff, too. So, as a tribute to Mike Leach, why don't we just listen to him talk about what the playoff should be for about two minutes? We miss you, Coach. Uh, I think you could solve nearly all these questions if they had an expanded playoff system, which... Um... Uh, I started talking about when I was an assistant at the University of Kentucky. And, uh, you know, if you had, uh, I think, 64 teams, but I think the minimum is 16. If you had 16 teams, then I think we could settle a whole lot of these issues. You know, it doesn't matter with the East Coast or Los Angeles or anybody in between things. All of a sudden, there's 16 teams. Oh, geez, number 16 beat number four. Well, screw number four. Number four is out, you see, because number 16 got them. You know, I mean, that pretty well solve all of it, wouldn't it? And then 32, you could easily do 32. And then, um, uh, and then the, the, you know, the most stunning thing, and I give this lecture probably three times every year, but um, then college football says, they scratch their head and they give a really befuddled, mixed up look and they get a really screwy expression on their face. Like, well, how can that possibly be? I mean, how can we do that? I mean, how is it possible that you could actually have a playoff format in college football? Well, gee, I don't know. Let's start with, uh, we, we can go down to the local city park and I'll bet you somebody that handles youth football could tell you how to do something like that. Well, that's too low of a scale. Let's move it up a little bit. Okay, how about high school from a major state? Let's say Texas, Florida, or California. Let's see how they do it. Okay, let's see, these guys, you know, they win a certain number of games, they have a qualification. Okay, now, boom, they're in the playoffs. But they don't have just two or four teams or something. Hell no, because they want everybody to have fun and enjoy this playoff system. So they have 16 or 32 or 64 or something like that. Okay, so then they play each other, and everybody's on the edge of their seat going to wait and see if this team's going to beat that team or going to beat the other team. And so then, uh, in the end, there's occasionally a debate. If only this team hadn't lost to that team in this round, then this team could have won the whole thing, and that's perhaps true. But the thing that is indisputable is that at the end of the gauntlet, this team came out on, on number one, and there's no debate whatsoever who state champion. Logic from Mike Leach, who wasn't always logical. If you go to our Mississippi State site at on three, you can read a remembrance of Mike Leach from his longtime agent, Gary O'Hagan. And Gary was trying to set up a TV show for Mike Leach where he, in the off season, he would go to different places, different countries where they had these weird sporting events. And he would talk about the, the sporting and, you know, introduce the segment. And Gary had sent 
Coach Leach a picture from Ireland, a sign that said Leprechaun Crossing. And Mike Leach's response wasn't, oh, that's a funny sign. It was, ooh, when we do that episode, can we go searching for leprechauns? Not, well, that would be, we can incorporate, no, no, no. He really wanted to go search for leprechauns because he thought leprechauns might be real. He thought Bigfoot probably was real. That's just who he was. And it was heartbreaking last year when he passed. It was so sudden. And, you know, they dealt with it at Mississippi State. Players still dealing with it. Coaching staff still dealing with it. But we will always remember Mike Leach. I'll remember the, the first time I met him in person was in Key West. He was between Texas Tech and Washington State. He, had, he hadn't started working for Washington State yet. He was, he was biding his time. He was doing Sirius XM shows during the day. Had his house in Key West. And so we, want, we go have dinner. And then after dinner, we're driving back to, to, to his house. And he tells me to stop, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And he runs over to this fence. It's a very tall fence, and it had the, kind of the blackout stuff on it that you see that the football programs use, actually, so you can't watch practice. And he jumps up so he can see over the fence. He's like, come here, come here. And so I jump up. And what's there is a, a museum slash graveyard of all of these different vessels and I'm probably using the word too generously, that people had used to float from Cuba to Key West over the decades. And it was just a, a marvel of, of engineering and flat-out bravery, you name it, that people had jumped on these things in shark-infested waters and tried to float to Key West. And he was fascinated by this, by the political ramifications of it, by the sheer you know, human ingenuity of some of these things. And so we, we look over the fence and we're, we're comparing all these different ones and we come down off the fence and he goes, think about all those idiots over the southernmost point. They're lining up to look at a buoy. Look at what we get to look at. That's Mike Leach right there in a nutshell. Just tremendous. All right. Back to the quarterback transfer portal carousel. The biggest domino so far, Riley Leonard to Notre Dame. We need to delve into that a little bit further. So let us do that. Our man Tyler Horka in South Bend working for Blue and Gold. We're going deep into the Riley Leonard transfer, what it means for the Irish, what it means for Coach Marcus Freeman. Here's Tyler. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Tyler. Welcome, Tyler Horker from Blue and Gold. And Tyler, another ACC one-year rental quarterback for Notre Dame. It's Riley Leonard this time coming from Duke. He will succeed Sam Hartman, although Sam Hartman won't be around for the Sun Bowl. Uh, but what was it about this marriage of Riley Leonard and Notre Dame that, that made it work on both sides? It's kind of the same thing as the Sam Hartman deal one year ago, I would say. And obviously... Riley Leonard's only been in college for three years. He he's the prototypical senior. We're, we're fine, like you mentioned a little bit earlier in a different video that we did. We're finally getting past this COVID stuff where you look at Riley Leonard and he's a true senior. So, but Sam Hartman did things for five years at Wake Forest that were exceptional. He was rewriting the record book and all those types of things. Riley Leonard didn't have as much time to do that at Duke, but Duke is Duke, and he was doing things at yeah. Duke that no other quarterback had really ever done before so I think he did all that he could there and look Mike Elko left as well we have to put mm -hmm. that out there and that was a big reason to say hey for Riley Leonard to say hey I think I need to go do this somewhere else and if Notre Dame is the one that's suiting you and they're saying hey we want you to be our starting quarterback you give it a, a very strong look they got him on campus 
He was slapping the play like a champion sign today. He was hanging out with Benjamin Morris and Xavier Watts. Like it seemed like a really good fit. And if if Notre Dame can learn from the Sam Hartman tale where they didn't get quite the most out of him that they would have liked mm-hmm. to, his numbers were down. At Wake Forest, he was a volume passer. He didn't throw for as many yards, as many touchdowns, and even as many pass attempts here. So they need to learn that like, hey, Riley Leonard has this unique skill set. Let's use it. Let's work around it. Let's put the guys in positions to kind of get the most out of that skill set. And if they do, I think Riley Leonard's going to be an NFL draft prospect in, in 2025 because he's got all the tools to do a lot of really good things at Notre Dame. So the mission doesn't change. The idea is get to the college football playoff. What changes is the format of the college football playoff. Yeah. A, a 10 and two Notre Dame is probably in. So that's what Riley Leonard is probably shooting for. And how does this offense evolve? Because this was the first year under Jared Parker as the offensive coordinator. We've seen them make a move where they, they, Dismissed Chancey Stuckey, the receivers coach. Uh, they've gone out. They got uh, Bo Collins from Clemson in the transfer portal at receiver. It would seem like that's a position where they'd like to beef up a little more. But what what do you think changes about this offense, or does Riley Leonard just come in and they run it kind of to his flavor? I think they run it to his flavor for sure. You're going to see some more. Uh, I look at the Notre Dame Duke game as an example of this, where Duke did it, and that's just good coaching. Riley Leonard threw 27 passes in that game. He only completed 13. It was clear that Notre Dame's defense, the number one pass efficiency defense in the country, was going to take some things away from, let's face it, a lesser Duke offense. You don't have these same athletes at at Duke as you have at Notre Dame, and you're trying to pass on the best pass defense in the country. It's not going to happen. What did they do? They started running Riley Leonard a little bit more, and it worked. He he was running – quarterback power, quarterback draws, quarterback sweeps, everything was working against a very good Notre Dame defense. So I think you see Jared Parker do some of those things. But like you said, you bring in Bo Collins as a wide receiver transfer. I think that was a good get for Notre Dame. Chris Mitchell, I know he wasn't doing it at a a very big institution. Florida International is not Notre Dame, but you see some things on tape that he could bring to Notre Dame and maybe make some of those downfield catches because – Riley Leonard can do it all. He can run, he can pass, but you have to have the guys that he can pass too. I think Chris Mitchell is going to be one of those. Jaden Thomas needs to stay healthy. So it's interesting because Jared Parker has a lot of heat on his shoulders because you didn't get the most out of Sam Hartman that you would have liked to. You've got to get the most out of Riley Leonard because he's a true dual threat quarterback. And if you can do things in the pass game and the run game that that kind of fit to his style of play, you can go 10 and two. You can go maybe even 11 and one and make the college football playoff. And I'm sure Riley Leonard would love to do that. Well, and let's talk about how important this coming season is for Marcus Freeman. This will be year three. There were bumps in the road year one, the, the Marshall loss, the Stanford loss. It didn't feel like there was anything like that this year, but there were games that like Notre Dame probably shouldn't have lost to Clemson this year in the way they did. And I think that's one that, that probably frustrated people. And it did feel like the passing game fell off as the season went on. Yeah, I looked at the splits. If you look at the three losses, Notre Dame averaged 191 passing yards. And you can average 191 passing yards and win ball games, especially if you're Riley Leonard, because that might come with 100 rushing yards. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, one guy is almost averaging 300 yards in those games. But Sam Hartman's not a runner. You need him to throw the ball. And in those losses, he couldn't throw the ball. So that was something that really stung. And you mentioned they shouldn't have lost to Clemson that the way they did. They shouldn't have lost any of the games the way they did. You you can't have 10 guys on the field against Ohio State. You can't throw three interceptions against Louisville. So you can pick pieces of every single one of those losses and say, man, if this didn't happen, Notre Dame probably would have won those games. But Like you said, if if you're looking at it from a Marcus Freeman perspective, I think the one tangible sign of progress that you take is you didn't lose to a Marshall. You didn't lose to a three and nine Stanford team. So you were in every single ball game. I mean, the best team on your schedule is Ohio State. They end up going 11 and one. They almost beat the number one team in the country in Michigan. And you guys had those guys beat on your home field, if not for some quirky things that happened at the end. So there was progress there. But the next step is – you can't lose the way that you did because those are some excruciating uh, – the, the way that they lost, the, the, you just can't have that happen. Yeah, but one more step forward, I think, with the new format does probably help them make a playoff. It, and really, with, with Notre Dame, the desire for independence in, in, in football, mm-hmm. it feels like as long as there aren't major changes in the college football playoff format, I know there are potentially some, but as long as they're not major ones – 
this is about as ideal as it gets for Notre Dame. Yeah, obviously the one thing that you don't have is getting the bye, but what does that come with? Probably a home playoff game, and you'll take playing anybody right. in the country. If you're if you're a five or a six seed, whatever it is, in snowy South Bend in December, you want to play that game. So I agree, it's it's very advantageous for Notre Dame uh, the twelve team playoff format. Well, and it beats like if you're in the Big Ten of the SEC and you're in that championship game, you're going to play a monster and have to yeah. beat them to get the bye. That's that. So. Yep. I feel like it's six and one half dozen the other for Notre Dame. And it's just Marcus Freeman's got to get them over that hump. And this feels like a pretty kind of make or break type year for that. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm looking at this Sun Bowl and I'm saying that this is an important game for Marcus Freeman. I, it's it's Oregon State. It's El Paso, Texas. It's the Sun Bowl. But I, I'm of the thinking that Marcus Freeman can't go into year three with two nine and four seasons under his belt i mean if you put down the same record that you had and i know sam hartman's not playing in the sun bowl but if you put down the same exact record that you had with tyler buckner and drew pine as your quarterback with sam hartman as your quarterback the the fire the heat the pressure on marcus freeman in year three is going to be immense but if you win this game steve angeli goes off he does the things that he needs to do to get you a victory you can look at it and say okay we won 10 games we lost some games that we probably should have won but we won 10 games 10 game 10 10 wins next season and it needs to be in the regular season probably gets you into the playoffs so but but it's interesting we mentioned mike elko riley leonard coming mm -hmm. to notre dame because of that partially that's who you start with down there <laughs> in college one. station week one yeah and if you win if you win that you're saying okay college football playoff if you lose that you're saying can we afford to lose another one because the schedule andy is not like it was this year. You don't have Clemson. I know Clemson ended up going eight and four, but I mean, you had Clemson, Caleb Williams in USC, you had Ohio State. Next year, it's Florida State, but they don't have Jordan Travis. And look what just happened to Florida State. You leave those guys out of the playoff. It's like Florida State, it's Texas A&M. Uh, it, it's not a lot of really good teams on that schedule. So if you lose that game, if you're Marcus Freeman, you're saying, do we have to win out? Do we have to go to 11-1 to get into the playoff? It, it's going to be an interesting year for sure. So one more question it's about the quarterback divvying up the scholarships and and who's there next year so yeah. obviously riley leonard is going to be there cj carr the freshman is going to be there we talked about this with the nebraska guys because the dylan riola could flip to nebraska and yeah. yet they still might bring in kyle mccord as a transfer how does that work with the with the riley leonard cj carr dynamic yeah i think cj carr is locked in it's, it's always nice when the guy is coming in as a true freshman because i mean this is a 17 18 year old kid and riley leonard is is riley leonard like he's done all of these things at the college football level so you say this doesn't affect if you're cj Carr, you say this doesn't really affect me right now we talked about it earlier he's a one-year rental at this mm -hmm. time next year we're not talking about right. riley he's not leonard he's not anymore. a threat to cj Carr. like he's right. not riley leonard's not a threat to stay three years Exactly. But is he a threat to a Steve Angeli? Is he a threat to a Kenny Minchie? And I think it's interesting. Marcus Freeman has kept saying we need four score, four quarterbacks on scholarship because we don't know if somebody's going to leave. It, it, look, Tyler Buckner left in April of last year. So we have to get to May or June with four quarterbacks on scholarship for me to say, OK, these are Notre Dame's guys. I'm not going to put it in Sharpie that Steve Angeli will be here in July, because we just don't know. You, you got to get through a full spring practice. And if Riley Leonard is light years ahead and Steve Angeli is like, you know what? I want to start somewhere right now in 2024. He could leave. And then all of a sudden you have Leonard, you have Minchie, and then you have CJ Carr. So the CJ Carr thing, he's locked in. You could ask our recruiting reporter, Mike Singer, like he's coming to Notre Dame. He's happy to be at Notre Dame. Is Kenny Minchie happy that Riley Leonard is coming in. Is Steve Angeli happy that Riley Leonard is coming in? We'll just have to see. These things play out, and, and these kids, they can change their minds like that. You could say, you know what? I don't want to be here with this guy because he's our new quarterback. So it's interesting. that The quarterback dynamic, like you mentioned the, the Nebraska one, like it, it changes on a dime, and it's crazy all of the time. It sure is. Tyler Horka, thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate you having me on, Andy. Talking Notre Dame, and, and that is interesting about the schedule next year. It now it's it's hard to say right now whether it's going to be a good schedule, bad schedule. We don't know, but I think the way things are set up, most years a ten and two Notre Dame is a playoff team, and 
the the playoff system that is coming, if it actually comes in this way and the rules don't get changed too much, is pretty ideal for an independent Notre Dame. If anything more changed, then I think maybe you re reevaluate. But right now, what's coming looks like the perfect situation for an independent Notre Dame. The question is, will they keep doing this with the quarterback or will CJ Carr maybe be the guy who becomes a multi-year starter for them who can lead them where they want to go? Or maybe, maybe Riley Leonard does it, sets the table for him. We shall see. But that is just a question that I have for the offseason. I'm sure that many of you have questions for me now. And the good news is tomorrow is a Dear Andy episode. We want to hear your questions. We want to answer your questions as best we can. Hit me up. Andy underscore Staples on Twitter. Andy underscore Staples on Instagram. Andy Staples on three at gmail.com. If you would like to email your question, feel free to turn the camera on yourself. Ask on video. Be very marginally internet famous for a few minutes. I love your questions. You guys are, are the best part of my week. I love how creative you are, what you're always thinking about. You are definitely driving the conversations on this show, and I appreciate it because you love this sport just as much as us, and that's awesome. So we will have your questions answered on the Dear Andy Show tomorrow night. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.